0: Miss Milah, Rahman, Rahim, Alhamdulillah, Hirobil Alamin, or Solo Law, or Sellama Barak Alla Nabina, Muhammad Alla Ali, he was Sahi Hajmain, Robbish Rahli Sodri, or Yasirli Emri, Wahlu Roko de Milisani of Kahu Koli, Allahumma Alimna, and Farana, and Farnabima Alam Tana, was Ilma. Last week we started to talk about the first revelation that came to the Prophet Sallallahu Law, who Alayhi was Sellam when he was in the cave of al-hira and he received the revelation iqra bismi rabbikal ladhi khalaq khalaqal insana min alaq iqra wa rabbukal akram alladhi 'allama al insana ma lam ya'lam these were the first 5 verses to be revealed of the quran and this was the first revelation that rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa received now of course going through this experience the first time he received this revelation it was something amazing and something that was very new to him and it scared him and of course it's natural for a person to be scared in this type of a situation so he was scared and we talked about how he returned to his wife Khadija and how she comforted him and how she consoled him and told him that there's no way anything bad can ever happen to you and she mentioned the greatness of his character and she told him confidently Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never humiliate you and she mentioned the characteristics of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the honorable characteristics that he had and this gave consolation to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa She went a step further than that. And she said to him, come, I will take you to my cousin, Waraka ibn Naufal. And Waraka ibn Naufal, as we spoke about last week, he was from the Quraysh, but he was not an idol worshiper. Rather, he had accepted Christianity and he believed in the oneness of Allah. And he... ...studied the scriptures of the Ahlul Kitab. So when the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam informed Waraqah about his experience... ...Waraqah said that surely this is the same angel that came to Musa alayhi wa And Warakah knew that Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was a prophet. And he said to him, I wish I were young. I wish I were still young up to the time when your people will expel you from your land if i was young and if i if i were to be alive at that time i would help you and then muhammad sallallahu Alaihi wasallam said you mean my people are going to expel me from my land my people are going to expel me from my land and he was surprised about this because he had a good relation with his people he was respected he was honored he was given a very high status from amongst his people of the Quraysh. Everybody loved him. And everybody only spoke about him in a good way. He had a great reputation. He was known as As-Sadiq al the truthful one, the trustworthy one. Nobody had any problems with him. So that's why he found it strange when Waraqah said to him, your people are going to expel you from your land. Your people are going to expel you from Makkah. So he was surprised. And he said, They're going to expel me from my land. And then Waraqah said to him, No one in the past has ever come with what you have come with, except that their people expelled them from the land. And we know that to be true, because even if we look at the Qur'an, and we look at the stories of prophets, and how they gave da'wah to their people, and how they were forced to leave their lands. So this is what Waraqah told Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would happen to him and eventually as we know it did happen and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had to make Hijrah, he had to make a migration to Al-Madinah so this was after the initial revelation these events happened after the first revelation came to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so he calmed down after his wife consoled him and he heard this affirmation from Waraka Ibn Nawfal he became calm and he became relaxed. After he was scared and frightened at first, now he was calm and he was relaxed. And for a period of about six months after this, no revelation came to him. So the initial revelation came in the ghar of Al-Hira, the cave of Al-Hira. And the Prophet ﷺ was scared. And then after that, for six months, no revelation came. So the ulama have spoken about the reasoning behind this. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not reveal anything to Muhammad during these six months from the initial revelation for six months? And they have said that this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted ...Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam... ...to have a longing for the revelation. He wanted him to feel that longing inside him... ...that I need, I want more, I want more revelation. At first he was scared when he received it. Now, after speaking with Warakah ibn Nawfal... ...and getting some insight onto what was going on... ...and realizing that he was truly a messenger of Allah... ...now the fear was gone and it had changed into a sense of excitement and an and a sense of longing like i want more so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted muhammad to have this type of feeling this feeling of longing this feeling of intense want for more revelation to descend upon him if it were to just come immediately then that sense of longing wouldn't have developed very much but One month passed, two months passed, three months, four months, five months, six months. The longing, that desire he wants for more revelation, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. So he's ready to receive it. He's fully ready to receive it after this period is over. So this is what the ulama have said regarding the reasoning behind the temporary cutting off of the revelation after the initial revelation. Now, when... Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam first received revelation. He received revelation of these first five verses of Surah Al-Alaq. But he was not commanded to do anything yet. He was not commanded to go out or call people to this or anything. He received these first five verses of Surah Al-Alaq without any command to spread anything. But then after that six months was over and he started receiving revelation again, that is when he actually got the command to start working so one day when he was at home and he was covered in a blanket he was covered in a blanket the revelation came down to him again يَا Tamnun فَصْبِرْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُدَّثِّرْ O you who are wrapped up He was wrapped up in a blanket قُم! Stand up The time for rest and relaxation is finished Now it's time to get to work قُم! Stand up Fa'anthir. Stand up and warn so the command is here now, that he has to spread his message. fa anzir." And of course, the command to spread the message, it also came in stages. He wasn't commanded to go and spread it to everyone all at once, rather this came in stages. First he had to call his close family members, and then it went up step, step by step, stage by stage. يَا إِيُّهَا الْمُدَّثِّرِ O you who are, who are wrapped up, قُمْ Stand up, فَأَنذِر And warn, وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّر And glorify your Lord. And this is an ayah of the essence of Tawheed. وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّر Glorify only your Lord. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and no one else. وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّر وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَهِّر And and Purify your clothing. This is a very important principle as well. When we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we do ibadah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to be purified. Our bodies should be purified and our clothing should also be purified. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Purify your clothing. Some of the Mufassireen have also said that the word thiyab it can also refer to a person's akhlaq the literal meaning of thiyab is clothing but figuratively it can also re- it can also refer to a person's character because just like your clothes are always on you and your clothes are what people see when they see you your akhlaq is also like that as well right when people see you what do they actually see of you they see your dealings with them, they see your interactions they see the way you live your life, they see your akhlaq they see your character, so your character is figuratively like your clothing so some of the mufassirin have said that this can also, this ayah can also apply to purifying your character wathiyabaka fatahir, fahjor, and abandon and leave and stay away and avoid idol worship kufr and shirk wala tamnun and this is a very important ayah when we do a favor to someone, when we do good to someone don't always remind that person of the favor that you did to them this is not from good akhlaq this is not from good character you help somebody with something and then you never let him forget it for the rest of his life yeah remember you know 10 years ago i helped you with this and this remember 5 years ago i loaned you this money when you were in a difficult situation you do something good for someone and then you continue to remind them about that and remind them and remind them this is something that will destroy the reward of your good deed ya amanu la tubtilu bilmanni O oh, you who believe, don't uh, invalidate your sadaqah, your charity, by constantly reminding people of how good you were to them. Don't do this. Wala tamnun When you do a good deed, when you help someone, you do it for Allah, and you don't continue to belittle that person or remind that person of the favors that you have done for him. fasbir this is preparing rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam for what is to come wali rabbika and for your lord be patient why be patient because with this job that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to his messenger he is going to face a lot of difficulties doing this job but wali rabbika for your lord be patient whatever trials and tribulations and difficulties and harms come your way in the way of this da'wah, be patient and your reward will be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that other revelations started to come as well ya ayyuhal muzammil qumil illa qalila o you who are wrapped up qumil laila illa qalila stand in prayer in the night except for a little portion Initially when salah when prayer was made obligatory on Rasulullah sallallahu the obligatory prayer was qiyamul layl it was the night prayer the five daily prayers that became obligatory much later but initially in the early stages of Islam when salah was made obligatory it was qiyamul layl it was the prayer of the night the night prayer So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam قُمِ اللَّيْلَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا So look at this. In Surah Al-Muddathir, قُمْ فَأَنذِر In Surah Al-Muzzammil, قُمِ اللَّيْلَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا So he has to keep his ibadah and his sincerity and his devotion to Allah in the night. Spend your nights worshipping Allah, devoted to Allah. And in the day, قُمْ فَأَنذِر in the day you have your work to spread this message so it's a balanced responsibility of rasulullah sallallahu to keep his relationship with his lord and to fulfill his duties in warning the people as well so these were the instructions that came to rasulullah sallallahu also from the early revelations wadduha ma rabbuka wama qala مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا Your Lord has not abandoned you. We said that there were six months that no revelation came. This was not abandonment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وما Your Lord has not abandoned you. He has not left you. And surely the آخر, the hereafter is better for you than الأولى, than this dunya. So these were some of the early revelations that came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam after the period, the short period that revelation was cut off. We mentioned that during the time of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he was given his message, the last Prophet that had come before him the last Prophet that came before Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was Isa Alaihi There was no Prophet between Isa Alaihi and Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that period between Isa Alaihi salam and Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi was a period of about 600 years. So, no Messenger, no Prophet for 600 years. The people had gone astray. They had become misguided. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to send a messenger. And it was his final messenger, Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. From the fairness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that he doesn't punish people until he establishes the proof against them by sending a messenger. وَمَا كُنَّا مُعَذِّبِينَ حَتَّى نَبَعَثَ رَسُولًا And we will never punish anyone except after sending them a messenger. This is from the justice and the fairness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now there were a handful of people during this period of time, during this 600 years, there were a handful of people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed them to be guided even without a messenger. And we spoke about some of them last week. We spoke about waraqah ibn nawfal, who was from the Quraysh and the Quraysh were idol worshippers but he realized that this religion of idol worship it doesn't make sense and he searched for the truth and eventually he accepted Christianity and when he met Muhammad he accepted him as being the messenger of Allah now Warakah he died during the period that the revelation was cut off after the initial revelation that period of six months after the revelation of Iqra'a bismi rabbika al khalaq, during that six months that no revelation came, Waraka died during that time. So it just goes to show how old he was and how close to death he was when he met Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa But Allah blessed him and allowed him to see the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa A blessing for Waraka ibn Nawfal. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said about him, رأيتوا ورقة ابن نوفل في الجنة I saw waraqa ibn Nawfal in Jannah, subhanAllah. So he was a person, even though a prophet didn't come to him, he knew that the religion of his people was wrong, and he searched for the truth, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed him to find the truth. Also Uthman ibn al Haritha, he was another one who didn't accept the religion of the Quraysh, and he also became a Christian before the messengership of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam we also spoke last week the amazing story of Zayd ibn Amr ibn Nufail. an amazing story where he searched for the truth he went to a jewish rabbi and he decided not to accept judaism he went to a christian monk he decided not to accept christianity because he found holes in those religions and then he decided he would follow the religion of Ibrahim alayhi salam the religion ad al-hanif the pure monotheistic religion so he said to Allah ya Allah i believe in you alone i know that you have no partner and no one is worthy of worship except you i don't know how Ibrahim alayhi salam used to pray i don't know what words he used to say but i am worshipping you to the best of my ability please accept it from me and this was just a few years before the messengership of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Zayd ibn Amr ibn Nufail, he died just about five years before the revelation started to come to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said about Zayd. He said, "Yubathu Zaid ibn Amr, بِنْ عَمَرْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أُمَّةً Zayd ibn Amr ibn Nufail, he will be raised on Yawm Al-Qiyamah as an Ummah by himself. SubhanAllah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did guide some people. And there were very few people, not many, but few of these people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed them to be guided even without a messenger being sent to them. But most people throughout the history of time, in order to be guided to the right path, they need a messenger. They need a messenger and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam as rahmatan alamin, as a mercy for all of existence. So when he finally got the order to start warning the people, who did he start with? He started with his household. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam started spreading the message of Tawheed to his household, to the people who lived with him. And who lived with him? His wife Khadijah radiallahu anha, his four daughters Zainab and Ruqiya and Umm Kulthum and Fatima رضي الله عنهن. his sons they had passed away when they were little his sons uh, Qasim Al Qasim and Abdullah two sons, they passed away when they were little but the members of his household when he received the message they were Khadijah رضي الله عنها, and their four daughters Rukiyah, Zainab, Um Kulthum, and Fatima, and who else was part of the household of the Prophet sallallahu Zayd ibn al Haritha and Ali ibn Abi Talib. They were also part of the household of Rasulullah sallallahu wa sallam. and they were the first people to accept Islam. Okay, we can understand how Khadija radiyallahu anha, she was the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu and the daughters of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam we can understand how they were part of the household of Rasulullah sallallahu but what about Zayd ibn al-Haritha and what about Ali ibn Abi Talib how were they members of the household of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam Zayd ibn al-Haritha he was a young boy many years ago he was a young boy and he was kidnapped by some slave traders you know the slave trade was a big thing those days. So anyone traveling from one place to another place, there, there were always these slave traffickers and kidnappers who were looking for young, young men or boys to kidnap and sell them into slavery. So Zayd ibn al-Haritha was one of these boys. So years ago, he had been kidnapped and he had been sold into slavery. Eventually, he was sold in Mecca. And he ended up with the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam of course he treated him in the most beautiful way and Zayd ibn al-Harith saw the beautiful character of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Zayd's father had been searching for him his son was kidnapped and of course this is a big nightmare for any parent to have their child kidnapped so he searched and searched and searched for Zaid and finally he got some information that he had been sold and he was in Mecca so he went to Mecca and he saw Zaid with Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi wasallam and he told the father of Zaid he told the prophet Muhammad sallallahu this is my son I will give you anything you want for him. I, I don't care about money. I will give you all my wealth. It doesn't matter. You know, this is my son. Please let me have him. And Muhammad wasallam said to al Haritha, the father of Zayd, he said, we'll leave the choice to him. If he, wants to go with, if he wants to go with you, he can go and you don't give me any money. I don't need anything. If he wants to go with you, he can go. But if he wants to stay with me, then you let him stay with me. So Al-Haritha he agreed to this. He said, who would choose to stay as a slave when he can go back home with his own father? So they gave the choice to Zayd ibn Al-Haritha and he said, I want to stay with Muhammad. This just goes to show how the character and the personality and the the kind treatment and the compassion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, even to slaves, that Zayd chose to remain a slave with Muhammad sallallahu as long as he could stay with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he refused to even go back home as a free man with his own father what does this tell you about the greatness of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa so al Haritha, the father of Zaid was surprised and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa to make the father feel happy as well so that the father wouldn't have any worry or anything he said, I am going to free him He is free. So he told the father of Zayd that he's not going to remain a slave, I free him. But he stayed with Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the Prophet Muhammad told Al Hadith, he said, I will adopt him as my own son. And this was before the the prohibition of adoption in the sense that the adopted son takes the name of the adopted father. This is haram now. But at that time it had not been prohibited so zaid became known as zaid ibn muhammad he became known as zaid the son of muhammad the adopted son of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so he was part of the household of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam as well and as soon as the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told him about islam and gave him da'wah to islam he accepted it immediately so that is the story of Zayd ibn al-Haritha and why he was part of the household of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa as well. Okay, what about Ali ibn Abi Talib? We mentioned previously that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam as an orphan, he moved from house to house when he was a child. You know, for the first couple of years of his life, he stayed with his wet nurse, Halima al sadiyya Then he came back to his mother. Then when his mother died, He went into the care of his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib. Then when Abdul Muttalib died, he went into the care of his uncle, Abu Talib. And we mentioned that Abu Talib had many, many children. And Abu Talib was very, very poor. He had many children, lots of expenses, but not much wealth. So when Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam grew up and he got married and he had his own house, Right? He saw the situation of his uncle was very difficult. His uncle is still raising so many children and he doesn't have much of an income. It's difficult for him to take care of all of those children. So he wanted to do something to help his uncle. So he went to his other uncle, Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib and he said to him, what do you say my uncle that each one of us will go and we will take one child. ...from the household of Abu Talib... ...and we will raise him in our household. You take one child, I will take one child. Our other uncles, the brothers of Al-Abbas... ...the other sons of Abdul Muttalib... ...they will participate in this as well. They will each take one child... ...so that, so that we can lighten the burden on Abu Talib. So Al-Abbas said to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam... am ma ra'ayt. This is a very good idea of yours. We'll do it. So they went to Abu Talib... And they said, you know, each one of us, we will take one of your sons and we will raise him in our household. We will take care. And then Abu Talib said, okay, do whatever you want, but just leave Aqil with me. He had one son, his name was Aqeel, and that was his most beloved son. He said, okay, leave, just as long as you leave Aqil with me, you can take whoever you want, go ahead. So they took the sons of Abu Talib and Ali ibn Abi Talib, ended up in the household of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as a young boy, as a very young boy. And as soon as Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told him about Islam, he immediately accepted it. So the household of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, all of them immediately accepted his message. Khadijah Radiallahu Anha, Zainab, Ruqiyya, um, kulthum, Fatima, anhunna, the Daughters of Rasulullah Sallallahu Zayd ibn al-Haritha And Ali ibn Abi Talib From outside the household of the Prophet Sallallahu The first person to accept Islam was Abu Bakr As-Siddiq And the story of how Abu Bakr As-Siddiq anh, How he accepted Islam It's an amazing story And it's a very simple story Extremely amazing and extremely simple. The story goes like this: Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam goes to Abu Bakr and he tells him, Ananabi, I am a prophet of Allah." And Abu Bakr says, "Anta nabi, you are a prophet of Allah." No questions asked. That's it. You said you are a prophet. You are a prophet. And Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that. Everyone who I gave the message to everyone who I gave da'wah to they all had questions about it when I told them about it They all had questions except Abu Bakr. No questions He just told him he is a prophet. and He said yes, you are a prophet this was the Iman of Abu Bakr amazing and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that if the Iman of this whole ummah was put on one side of a scale And the Iman of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq was put on the other side of the scale. The side of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq would tip. That is the Iman of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq. And there is no doubt he is the best man who ever walked on this earth after the Prophets of Allah. The Prophets and the Messengers of Allah, of course, they are the greatest men who ever walked on the earth. And after them... Abu Bakr as-Siddiq is the greatest man who ever walked on this earth after the prophets Subhanallah, this is the fadl of Abu Bakr Now Abu Bakr he didn't just accept Islam and remain quiet, no he started giving da'wah as well he started giving da'wah to Islam as well and who are the people who accepted Islam on the hands of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq? Who are the people who accepted Islam from the da'wah of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq? Uthman ibn Affan, az zubair ibn Al-Awam, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, Rahman ibn Awf, and Talha ibn Ubaidillah. These are five of the greatest companions of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There are 10 companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who were given glad tidings of Jannah in this world. Out of those ten, five of them accepted Islam on the hands of Abu Bakr radiallahu Five of them. Uthman ibn Affan, Zubair ibn al Awam, Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, Abdul Rahman ibn Auf, and Talha ibn Ubaidillah. These are five from the 10 people who were given glad tidings of Jannah in this world and they accepted Islam on the hands of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq Amazing. This is the virtue of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq So after he called his close family and his close friends to Islam then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the command to announce this religion to publicly announce it. Fas da' wa Announce what you have been commanded with and turn away from those who associate partners with Allah So when he got this command he went to the mount of Abi Qubais This is a mountain near the Kaaba in Mecca and it's not a very tall mountain it's not a very high mountain so it's easy to go and climb on that mountain to, to address the people. So the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, he went and he climbed Jabal Abi Qubays. And he started calling out to the Quraysh. He started calling out to the different tribes of the Quraysh. Ya Bani Hashim, Ya Bani Makhzoom. He started calling the different sub tribes of the Quraysh to gather. And the people heard this call. And they came and they gathered. And they were saying, Who is the caller? Manil Munadi. Who is the person who is calling? And when they saw, they said, Oh, it is al-Amin. Ameen. It is As-Sadiq al-Ameen. It is the truthful one, the trustworthy one. Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So they gathered. And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is on top of the mountain. And they are gathered down at the foot of the mountain and of course those who are gathered at the foot of the mountain they cannot see what is on the other side of the mountain Right? imagine a mountain, someone is standing on top of the mountain, the people are standing at the foot of the mountain here listening to him, these people who are standing here, they can't see what's going on behind the mountain so Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, after he has gathered them all he says if I were to tell you that behind me behind this mountain there is an army that is coming to attack you would you believe me they said of course we would believe you of course we would believe you you have never told a lie in your life of course we would believe you so after he had established that he is a truthful person and they admitted that he had never lied then he said فَإِنِّي نَذِيرٌ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ عَذَابٍ He said, then I warn you of a punishment that would come if you don't worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So when he said this, a man named Abdul Uzza Ibn Abdul Muttalib, and he was one of the uncles, of Rasulullah sallallahu more commonly known as Abu Lahab but his real name was Abdul Uzza ibn Abdul Muttalib when he heard Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa his nephew make this call he said ali jama'atana did you call us for this this is why you gathered us here taballak may you be perished he insulted the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And after that, the surah was revealed. Tabbat yada abi wa ma aghna anhu wa ma wa Abu Lahab said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam So Allah said to Abu Lahab May the hands of Abu Lahab perish And may he perish His wealth will be of no benefit to him And his earnings or his deeds or his actions Will be of no benefit to him He will go into a flaming fire one and his wife, Hammalat al-Hattab, the carrier of wood, and the wife of Abu Lahab, she was evil like him. And she would try to harm the Prophet by putting thorns in his path so that he would step on the thorns and be hurt by those thorns. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the surah regarding both of them and the punishment of both of them. Hammalat حَمَّالَةَ الْحَطَبِ فِي جِيدِهَا حَبْلٌ مَّسَدٍ She will have a, a, a necklace of uh, palm leaves, you know, the harsh, rough palm leaves around her neck. This is the punishment for Abu Lahab and his wife. So, when this surah was revealed, and think about the time. This was a time where you know, there was no such thing as radio or TV or any of this type of stuff. So the people, whenever they would hear anything new, if they would hear any new poetry or any new type of speech, that was what they would be most interested in. So when this surah was revealed, تبت بي وتب ما عنه ماله وما كسب kasab نارا ذات لهب. The people started hearing about it. Muslims and non-Muslims even, they were hearing about it and they were spreading it with each other. Even the little kids of Mecca, they heard this and they thought that, oh, this is, this is nice. So whenever Abu Lahab would be passing, the little kids of Makkah, they would say, تَبَّتْ أَبِي وَتَبْ مَا When they would see the wife of Abu Lahab passing, they would say, وَمْرَأَتُهُ حَمَّالَةَ الْحَطَبِ فِي حَبْلٌ And then when Abu Lahab or his wife would hear it and they would try to go and reprimand those kids, the kids would run away. Just imagine this. So it became something that was echoing all throughout Makkah. And even the children were making fun of Abu Lahab and, and his wife. So Abu Lahab's wife, her name was Um Jamil, she became very angry at this. She became very angry that she was described this way in the Qur'an. So she took a big stone, she took a rock, and she said, I am going to attack Muhammad Wasallam with this stone. So she went to the Kaaba, And at the Kaaba, Abu Bakr was sitting with Rasulullah ﷺ. They were sitting together. And Um Jamil, she comes with a big rock, and she goes to Abu Bakr an and she says, where is your friend where is your companion he's sitting right there right next to him and she says sahibuk? where is Muhammad I'm going to hit him with this stone and then she left and then Abu Bakr عنه, he turns to Muhammad وسلم, and he's amazed and he says to him Ma she didn't see you and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa replies to Abu Bakr, أَغْشَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put a cover on her eyes. She couldn't see me. This was one of the miracles that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Still, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa wanted to call the rest of his family at least to Islam. The other children of Abdul Muttalib, He wanted to call them to Islam. He was ordered to do this. And warn your close relatives. So he wanted to make sure that he fulfills this obligation. And that he gathers his family, the children of Abdul Muttalib. So that he can give them da'wah and he can invite them to Islam and inshallah next week we will talk more about the prophet sallallahu and his efforts to call his family to islam wallahu sallallahu wa sallam wa ala wa ala alihi wa